I'm Rob. I'm John. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. So, John, it's time again to get some listeners' questions. It is, and we've had some fantastic ones sent in. Let's get into them. Right. um, First, I want to address why I sound like a Peaky Blinder, which is (laughs) I... Pretty sure I have COVID. Um, I can't taste, can't smell, can't breathe. Um, And I feel like my brain is slowly boiling, which is a very strange sensation. But that is why I sound like this. And I apologize if that's very annoying to listen to. Nobody likes listening to the Brummies. Um, We don't have any Brummie listeners, right? Surely not. Probably not. I hope not. No, well, we don't now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's why I sound uh, terrible. I've also just come off the back of a a stag, so um, I'm tired. And uh, yeah, I'm not on my best form, but I've just had a mad monk. Let's see if we can get this podcast sponsored (laughs) by those supplements Um, and a Fanta. So if that doesn't sort me out, I don't know what will. No, I've popped a mad monk as well, and I've got my trusty glass of water (laughs) next to me, so... Popped a mad monk. Just, just so people know, uh, it's a performance and gaming supplement. But basically, all it is is caffeine and a bunch of plants. Is that right? Yeah, that's I'm pretty sure. A pretty accurate way of describing it, actually. Um, they're, yeah, they're they're good. And as I said, John, I don't know if it's placebo or not, but it it even if it is, the result is pretty good. So, um, yep, yeah, there's a little plug of that. Not sponsored, but. Uh, Mad Monk, if you're listening, we are open to it. Um, right, so questions, 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 questions. We've got some really good ones. Yeah, we have some fantastic ones. Um, it's been a while since we've done a listener questions episode, so I think we we're kind of well yeah. overdue for one. And yeah, uh, yeah as you said, we've had some fantastic ones sent in. We have. And um, fortunately, we haven't had any that make us look like fools like last time uh was it someone asked us about crypto and gentrification or something something so far above my station i didn't even want to begin yeah i might be recalling incorrectly but i also think there's one about like nfts and real estates that i think again i don't think we're quite qualified to discuss yeah i mean we are both um sort of armchair kind of armchair pundits i guess on I this but uh who isn't really Mm. Uh, there's very few people that that aren't so um yeah yeah yes yes that's that's a lot that's what you're getting um however we do spend our life in this industry reading and listening and watching and learning so uh hopefully there's some value in it and you haven't just switched off the podcast but uh, if you have fair enough can't blame you and with that, uh, now everybody's disappeared, um, I suppose we should get into our first question of the pod. Um, this yes. one comes from Mart, who uh, I believe is part of your community, Rob. He is, he is. And um, he's uh, frighteningly knowledgeable about crypto. So we're under the under the cosh here. Right off the bat, we have to do well here. Certainly, and he's uh, he sent us a bunch of great questions. The first one is that... Are you worried that the FOMO and pursuit of money is spawning a league of underdeveloped, rushed-to-market, unfinished titles with awful gameplay, which ultimately is slowing down and hurting any mainstream adoption from users as well as publishers? Will a long bear market, coupled with companies being liquidated, help with this, leaving only strong contenders? 
behind? <laughs> That's such a brutal question. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, I think probably. It, it, it's difficult. I mean, it, it's a very broad question, so it's hard to kind of um, narrow it down. I think FOMO in the pursuit of money is definitely creating a, a cesspit of games that are rushed, um, indie devs just... Well, so I don't like to conflate these two, but uh, indie devs and have a go devs. I think it's it's yep. the latter that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, people developing the, their first game for the first time in a new market, um, and obviously we that's where you see the rug slips often with people holding too many too much of their own token and and Christ knows what else. Uh, awful gameplay, harsh but probably broadly <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing much better games coming out now compared to the last four years of this where uh, games were either good and didn't have crypto, even though they said they would, which I'm not going to name who I'm talking about there, but I'm still salty about one game I invested in um, <laughs> that still hasn't implemented the NFTs I bought, uh, despite it being four years. Um, there, Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of games that do have awful gameplay, but we're, we're I think we're gradually getting out of that. Um and then my final answer for this question is, uh, what was it? A long bear market coupled with companies being liquidated. Uh, well, I've said to you, I said this to you before. I think I said this on a previous episode that I think uh, a bear market is needed for a bit of breathing space to get to sort of wheedle out the, um, the fair weather cryptopians um, and just give us a bit of time to build. So I think it, there, probably, there is silver linings to having a bear market now, uh, particularly with blockchain gaming, uh, to give us a bit more space. Mm. Whether it will be, uh, whether it will just leave strong contenders, I'm not sure. I think I think we're probably a little way away from the sort of survival of the fittest. I think we'll still get a lot of people trying to get big initial token sales and NFT sales and stuff. But it's, it's going to get better. And I think the bear market will probably assist with that as painful as it is. Yeah, no, I um I do agree with you there. Um, in terms of my answer for the question, um, if we just break it down into sections, am I worried that FOMO in the pursuit of money is spawning a league of underdeveloped titles? Um, I'm not worried insofar as that has happened. <laughs> like that's just yeah. the reality of the space right now. Um, there is a plethora of underdeveloped rush to market titles that have been created with the sole, um, the sole goal to make as much money as quickly as possible some of those yeah. are out and out rug pulls some are rug slips some are genuinely wanting to be around for some time but the creation of money is the um the driving factor behind the development of those games i will say on that note is that for the past 12 months or so this idea of play to earn has been the prevailing term in the industry when it comes to blockchain gaming I have started seeing, especially in the last few weeks and months, um, somewhat of a change to that. It's it's almost as if the term play to earn is starting to gain kind of an unsavoury um, air to it. And there's there's a number of games and some influencers who are starting to move to the terminology play and earn, which I think yeah. is a, a more fair reflection of where we want to be uh, as an industry. Um, and whereas I don't think that has currently had any sort of impact on the amount of players who are playing these solely earning focused games. I think it is a good sign that um, people in the space um, kind of in positions of power who are running projects, who are talking about projects, 
are thinking in the right direction or having more of a consideration towards the long-term future of the space when we're talking about blockchain games. Um, so is it hurting mainstream adoption? I think it is because the current scenario of play-to-earn games where they're just kick, uh, clickers, where the focus is money and the gameplay looks terrible and it looks like something developed in 1998 doesn't make the space look good. Um I, I've said this before on the podcast, if we want um, the blockchain gaming industry um, to be seen with a bit more respect, then we need a flagship title. Um, for example, you know, a Fortnite of Web3, and funnily enough, um, Epic Games have now announced Grit yeah. <laughs> with Gala, so that may be coming. Um, but we need a kind of a shining example game to, to point to a traditional gaming audience to say, look, this is what gaming on the blockchain can be like, and not say for example you know a farmer's world or i think saying that about axie infinity is a bit harsh but um you know if you compare let's say axie to gta 5 <laughs> there's clearly much more complex gameplay and story and it's actually in one of those compared to the other so that's my thoughts there and then the final part of that question will a long bear market couple of companies being liquidated with this uh leaving only strong hang on have i misread that yes i have never mind <clears throat> And the uh, last part of the question, uh, will a long bear market coupled with companies being liquidated help with this, leaving only strong contenders? I would like to think that that is the case, but I think this is something we'll probably talk a little bit more about later on. There's an awful lot of investment companies and VCs who are flinging unimaginable amounts of money into the space without really knowing what they're throwing money at. And I mean, I've seen a few cases in the past few weeks where... Um, teams and projects that are effectively first-timers and don't really know what they're doing are receiving six, seven, eight-figure amounts of money from investment companies and VCs because they just want to latch onto as many things as possible because if one of them takes off, then, you know, they're rolling in it. So, whereas I would like to think that a long bear market would help solve this um, current problem we have i don't think it's going to be uh, i don't think it's going to solve it as as much as i would like to think it is i think a lot of the smaller developers for example there's a lot of um, people on wax that aren't getting funding that's starting quite um you know it's two or three people projects and they're usually trying to do rug pulls or rug slips um will it curtail that um i think it may do I think it may do with, um, you know, as people aren't buying as many NFTs, as people aren't transacting as much, um, it, the, the option to go down into like a rug pull or rug slip probably isn't um, as incentivized. But in terms of the projects that are getting funding, I don't think we're going to see a slowdown there. No, um, I mean, I think I, I agree with basically all of that. Uh, the, I think the comparison between current games and GTA 5 is an interesting one that we might need to unpack a little bit more uh, because it says more than it sounds like it says. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, we're looking at these games and they're, they're just clickers and they're like 2D puzzle games and things like that. And, you know, that's not a game. But then GTA 5 was in development for God knows how many years. So it also shows that we can't expect games like that um, my, my computer just gave me a notification to say we're currently on the record highest 
heat of this year. I, I don't know why it would give me a pop-up notification for that. <laughs> I really. Also, I don't need it. I mean, I'm locked in an office with no fan because of the mics on. So I am. I do not need that, Microsoft. Please. Yeah, um, sun, sun in Britain. That's a, a rare sight. I know. I've just come back from Portugal, though. I'm a bit sick of it. <laughs> I, 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 I want some cold. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Sidetracked. Um, yeah, so we can't expect games of that caliber i mean gta 5 is singular in itself but we can't expect games web 2 standard games to be in web 3 already they they take years to develop and people have only been interested in blockchain gaming for i would say 2020 is about where it started to pick up Mm -hmm. like the first the first two years i worked in this was there was when it was dead there was a few people and i knew all of them so it was there was no (laughs) way it was going anywhere quick and even if you started creating a game in 2018 if you wanted to create something like gta 5 it, it still probably wouldn't be out for another three years that these sort of games take ages so that does show where we are right now and that we we can't expect more than we have in in many ways we have a lot of decent looking games entering alpha and beta Um, but then i think that calls back to mart's point on rushed titles and underdeveloped i think that's certainly true um, and we are seeing that. But this kind of leads on to um, Mert's question. Mert, uh, I think it's, we might as well just go straight into that now because mm-hmm. we've touched on it a few times. So Mert's question was, are clickers a necessary evil on the road to real games or do they hurt the image of blockchain gaming more than they help? We've kind of already touched on that. Um, but I mean, I know I've got quite a few things to say on that. What are your thoughts? Do they hurt the image of blockchain gaming? Yes, because I think, as I've already said, when the uh, kind of the common Web 2 gaming audience or even the general public look at blockchain gaming, it's effectively a lot of get-rich-quick schemes. Um, And it's difficult to shake that kind of uh, of symbolism from the the industry. Are they a necessary evil? I don't think they had to be, but because of the monetary factor, it led people to almost want to have them you know especially if people who are looking at the blockchain gaming space at the moment it's mostly for the earning potential so you know we are seeing games pre-release who've not shown a shred of footage selling you know access passes for ridiculous amounts of money and people are eating them up because of the premise that they'll be able to make you know 5x 10x 20x whenever the quote-unquote game launches which is usually some sort of you know clicker that looks like it was made 15 years ago so did they have to be a necessary evil if you take the monetary factor out no but of course it's play to earn and it's blockchain so you have to factor that in it was to be expected but i am glad that we're starting to see the back of it now and we are beginning to see some more competent games hit the fore yeah i think my view's roughly the same. Uh, I think as a necessary necessary evil, maybe. I'm a bit on the fence about it. I, I think there are... We did need to see use cases. We've already seen that games can um, host incredible economies. EVE Online Klaxon Alert. I am mentioning the game for the hundredth time. <laughs> but they have a fantastic economy that works like a real economy. However... That doesn't mean that if you tokenized the um, ISK, the in-game currency for EVE, that it would act the same as it does. I, in fact, I think it'd act probably very differently mm-hmm. um, where people would be more incentivized to hunt that, that money. So we do need examples of how tokens can work within gaming as well as the NFTs. And the quickest way to do that 
is create a game that doesn't cost a fortune in development and doesn't take years to develop their clickers uh, yep. I, it was it just it was kind of obvious that it would happen this way I don't love them um, it's been my criticism of blockchain brawlers I always said I think it's going to be a great game it's not a game currently and you know Michael Rubinelli has said the same thing um, and he's you know head of uh, Wax Game Studios so I think we are starting to see the back of them and I think people are getting tired of them but if the earning potential is there if you're still earning from it, it will draw players. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will just continue to draw players perpetually. It, does, it doesn't matter if they look terrible. If the tokenomics are good, which is, by the way, valuable because we can learn more about how to distribute the token, um, how mining should work, and so on. So I think things like Alien Worlds have, have been extremely important in the development of blockchain gaming. Uh, and I think they've, they've played an important role and I hope they, they carry on playing uh, an important role. But it's hard to say how going forward, what will happen. I mean, you mentioned play and earn. I also think people are already abusing that term. They just, yeah. like you said, play to earn has become unsavory. So people are now sort of like, oh, our games play and earn. It's not, I think the ideal outcome would be a game that, you do earn while you play, but it could be play to earn if you wanted it to be. As in, you could, you could, if you played enough, earn enough money for it to be worthwhile you playing it. That would be the ultimate goal, I think. But I just, I don't, I, I don't know how you balance these things. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not an economist, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know how you balance influx of new players how that affects tokenomics, how it affects um, the market in general, the NFT prices. I mean, imagine we've seen it so many times in Web2 where uh, a big streamer will play some random indie game and that indie game gets absolutely crushed on Steam, yep. like launches into the top five. Like, um, kind of, um, was it Among Us mm-hmm. did, did almost exactly that? I think a streamer played it and then it just went viral. Um, imagine there's tokenomics in that. Imagine the delicate <laughs> ecosystem they've been cultivating gets suddenly 100x players. I don't, I don't know how any of this works and I don't know how you can say it's play and earn or play, I mean, play to earn kind of self-explanatory, but play, I don't know how you can balance saying, oh, that's not the main focus of the game, mm-hmm. earning. It, it's just something that you can do. But then if the earning's good enough, people will play it to earn. And if the earning's... Yep not good enough you'll only get web 2 players basically or people that want to own the nfts it's, it's such a complicated area i just i don't know how to unpack it fully and with every sentence i say there's like nine other branched off things i want to inquire about so uh were they a necessary evil that was the question um possibly i'm on the fence probably there's there's an argument for and against do they hurt the image of blockchain gaming almost certainly but that's because of rug pulls and again i think they i think they were inevitable so although it has hurt it's also it has also put blockchain gaming on the map we've got to remember what it has done for blockchain gaming particularly um with stories like uh, the philippines and axie infinity it has it helped to put blockchain gaming as something that people will be interested in and follow it definitely did a lot for the profile 
but some of it bad, I think. Anyway, I've been I've been <laughs> ranting for a while, and I, I could keep going. This could be a, this could be a Shakespearean monologue at this point. So uh, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I think referring back to to Mart's question where he uh, mentioned about bear market, um, I think as I said on the creator side, for those that are getting funding, I don't think it's going to make too much difference. But from a player side. You know, if you're playing blockchain games solely for the monetary aspect, then you'll make you're probably at the moment making what two, three dollars a day. So, yeah. um, it's when bear markets occur in blockchain gaming, it sort of deters a lot of the people that are purely here from the money from taking part and playing games. And yeah. I think that's that's important when it comes to what games we are going to see um, come. Um, in future i think when it comes to the way games present themselves and whether they say play to earn play and earn or some other convoluted term i think the what will become the biggest games um in blockchain gaming moving forward are the ones that don't kind of try and overemphasize that they're on the blockchain or that they have nfts um you know games that use a a skyweaver-esque model where there are nfts in it and they are on a blockchain but it's almost as if they're trying to obfuscate the fact that they are. You know, they kind of talk about being a blockchain game and talk about having NFTs in kind of um, abstract terms, but in like simple ways that a player would understand without necessarily clicking on, the, oh, this is NFTs, this is blockchain, Brr, I hate this. You know, I, I think that they um, their strategy for, for doing that so far has done well, and I'd like to see um, more games kind of, go down that route of saying, hey, you know, you can own the items in the game, you can train it with other people, but not necessarily pushing this, um, you know, the dollar signs down your throat about how much money you could earn. But on that note, when it comes to um, dollar signs being the main thing that goes into the head of, uh, of players that are into blockchain gaming purely for the monetary aspect, um, a lot of those dollar signs kind of build up towards a game's launch. And we have a question yeah. from, uh, from Daniel. Here, who asks how can blockchain games stay relevant after a hyped launch now i want to pay particular attention to the way this question's been worded he didn't say just games at launch it's games that have a hyped launch which i would kind of argue is 99 to 100 percent of blockchain games at the moment a lot of them are very much focused around hey we're launching this is when you can make the most money you should get in now and there's all this excitement and, uh, you know, these ideas that you can make so much money around a game launch. And then two weeks after launch, the uh, the earning potential is nowhere near what people expected. Because often there's very unrealistic expectations being levied um, against new blockchain games. Um, I think as an example, when blockchain brawlers launched, and I made a video about this around the time, you could quite easily make several hundred dollars a day. Um, mm. But I mean, if I look at blockchain brawlers now, I think my total holdings in blockchain brawlers, got to, just including the the gold NFTs on the brawl token, is actually gonna have a quick look now. It's eight hundred dollars. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I was gonna bring up blockchain brawlers as well. Um, I think we need to make the question as fair as possible. So, firstly. All games are most hyped before launch, I would say. Almost yeah. all. Um, yeah. Or the launch of a major patch or expansion or something. But generally, before the launch of something, that's when it's at its most hyped. Mm-hmm. Um, also, hemorrhaging players after a launch is also normal. You'll see that with every game. They'll peak in players when the game first comes out, and then they'll start hemorrhaging those players. So really, the question to me is about player retention, 
how can the game maintain a healthy player base? And I think this comes down to the game's quality, obviously. Uh, if the allure is tied up entirely in play to earn, you're going to need to ensure the play to earn never dips, which is impossible as it's tied to crypto, as we've seen with blockchain brawlers. Um, well, I mean, that's part of the reason blockchain brawlers is that you can't earn hundreds per day anymore. Um, also, part of it was the launch hype. Um, true player attention, I think, needs to be more than just play to earn, particularly with crypto as volatile as it is. Maybe in the future that will change. Um, perhaps uh, stable coins, for example, if, if you earn stable coins, although <laughs> not algorithmic stable coins, as we've seen. Um, but there are, I think, ways in which play to earn could be the main draw and you could retain players. But to stay relevant after a hyped launch requires players. It's just, it's simply a, a matter of player attention. And to retain players, you need to be constantly offering new content and gameplay. And there has to be a reason for you to play. It's, it's as far as I can tell, it's the same inside blockchain gaming as it is outside. You, yep. There needs to be enough to do. I mean, it's the same with how many MMOs have there been released over the last 15, 20 years that everybody's enjoyed it, got to endgame, realized there is no endgame and <laughs> dropped it. I mean, I can count probably 10 without breaking a sweat. It's yep. just very, very common. And obviously they get compared to things like, wow, it's been out for 18 years and you can't possibly <laughs> compete with that. But it's it's true of most, most games, you know, the endgame, if it's like a massively multiplayer game the end game isn't um, often there or it's going to take time to build and so the game starts to fall away and the only way to offset that is to keep players interested by adding content updating and making sure the game is fun and enjoyable to play yeah i think blockchain games have the exact same thing um, except they have the added um, bonus of play to earn or earning potential within the game mm -hmm. but i'd say that is the most volatile one of the lot and it would be far safer to create a great game and then add some earning potential than it is to create a great earner with some gameplay because i mean we've seen the crash and what that's done as you said people who are earning maybe a hundred dollars a day and now probably earning a, a few dollars a day if that and you could say well it's an investment in the future and when the market bounces back, you'll have made decent money. And I think that's possibly true for some games. Yep. But I mean, it's not, it's certainly not reliable. And anyone who is um, reliant on the currency itself uh, to survive c can no longer do that. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's my answer to it. Yeah, I think with blockchain games, um, whether or not the earning potential is the main driver for people playing it, all blockchain games have a lot of similarities with MMOs in particular. You know, there's yeah. an expectation that they'll be released. You know, there'll be effectively a 1.0 and then there'll be updates and, you know, there'll be small patches and big patches and the equivalent of expansions. So... If we reword the question from how can blockchain games stay relevant after a hyped launch, okay, we, we can drop hyped. So how can they stay relevant after a launch? If you take my example that blockchain games effectively work in the same way as MMOs when it comes to a kind of a hype and relevancy purpose, then it changes the question to how can MMOs stay relevant after launch? And I think if you look at the most successful MMOs of the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years, um, they are ones that are always able to draw you in 
on the prospect that something big is coming in the future. So, you know, whether it's World of Warcraft today, whether it's Final Fantasy fourteen, whether it is Path of Exile, you know, there's always, hey, there's there's the, the point one patch, the point two patch, there's a new expansion coming, there's changes to the game. And I think blockchain games have got to um, do that in a similar way. Of course, when it comes to uh, to kind of traditional Web two MMOs, there's you know there's storyline, there's progression, there's new items, new ways of playing the game, and blockchain games can do that as well. And um, of course, with the, the bigger consideration with blockchain games is, of course, as you mentioned, um, the earning potential. And I think games that are um, developed well, and when it comes to um, how players can earn within them, will always be able to. Um, have certain little tweaks or add new features or new ways that players can interact with uh, the earning potential that will keep a player base interested. Um, Mm. I think it's one thing that um, I think Blockchain Boards has done an okay job of uh, in saying that, you know, this is the minting phase. You know, this is the minting phase. Um, If you go to Blockchain Boards' website now, there's kind of a countdown until um, all of the Brawl token is now mined. And, you know, they've, they've made it clear that, you know, when we get into the, the PvP stage of the game or what would effectively in an MMO term be like the next expansion, then, you know, these tokens and these NFTs are going to have, you know, different utility to what they have now. And, you know, um, if you want to play this game long term, then this is an important time for you. And, you know, they're employing a lot of uh, a lot of the tactics to keep people invested in the game long term. And I think if other blockchain games want to have um, that kind of long term relevancy, then I think they should be taking a look at uh, at blockchain pools. But also the way traditional MMOs work, you know, your World of Warcraft, your Final Fantasy fourteen, etc. Yeah, definitely. And I think Blockchain Brawlers has done a good job of that. Although I think some games will point to roadmaps, which we don't yeah. like. No. Um, and we don't. We Well, I mean, it's not that we don't like roadmaps. It's that most people don't have any evidence that they're working on, on the things on the roadmap. Just on the point of roadmaps, um, in the past week, we had the whole uh, the Goblin Town um, well, the Goblin Town's kind of reveal um, was mm. kind of the biggest news in NFTs this week. And they made a point of saying, we do not have a roadmap and we will never have one. You know, this is as much our project, you know, on the developer side as it is yours, the community. And who knows where we're going from here. I think that's a much more honest way of uh, kind of going forward. Um, even if a game does think, you know, oh, two years down the line, we kind of want to make a PvP mode. Do you necessarily need to let your community know that? No, especially if you're not 100% sure you can deliver on it. It's quite refreshing the way Goblin Town's gone about saying, you know, we don't know where we're going. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. And I quite like that. It's, it's more honest take at, uh, at an NFT project. I do like it. And this could be the COVID cynicism speaking, but <laughs> part of me thinks that might be pandering a little bit. Uh, where they know that it's it's getting backlash. But also, I do hope they have an internal roadmap. I hope they have some direction (laughs) in which they're going. Uh, Because, yeah, you can't be a captainless ship, I don't think. It's like these projects that are entirely down-run, I think, will um, be very difficult to sustain because it's um, the old... um, a horse is a camel desi- a camel is a horse designed by committee, that, that old saying, which I'm pretty sure I've brought up twice already. But, uh, yeah, I... Th- I I, I do like that, and I do think it's a, it's a better approach than some making these stupid promises that you're you're going to be delivering things that nobody has delivered or even come close to yet, uh, which just 
is generating high. I mean, I hope, I really do hope that these games are held accountable, like the Kickstarter games that didn't ever materialise. Um, there's that one that I always forget the name of it, but it's, there's the MMO that got like record funding at the time, mm-hmm. and then uh, they delivered basically nothing, had to fire all their um, employees, and the guy who owns the project started banning anyone who spoke <laughs> against it from their Discord and yep. deleting tweets and all, all sorts of stuff. And now they're going to court over it. And now I hope that happens to the blockchain games that have made these wild promises and had investment from both resale and um, just the general public. Yeah. I think it's important to note um, for everybody listening, if you think back, when did roadmaps go from an internal company tour to a public statement of where the game is going? As far as I can recall, this only really started when microtransactions took off and it was a means to get players invested long-term so that developers could extract more money from them on a long-term basis. And that's moved from being um, something that's very common in Web 2 now, you know, the, 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 a, a roadmap that shows, you know, where the game's going to be in one year, two years' time, which is effectively just keep playing the game, keep spending money, keep giving yeah. us money, etc. And that's moved into Web 3, where it's it, because money is such an important factor in, in Web 3 games at the moment, roadmaps are kind of now expected. It's well, hey, I want to know if I spend $500 in this game right now, what you're going to be doing in six months, 12 months. And whereas I think, yes, from a player perspective, it can be nice to know that. It does lead to a lot of projects. Um, I don't think necessarily they're always trying to deceive people. I think sometimes they genuinely think, oh, in 12 months, we can have this PvP mode out. But they can never be 100% sure of that. You know, Web 2 devs can't, Web 3 devs can't. And I think it's... it's, There are very, very few examples in either Web 2 or Web 3 where a roadmap has been followed to the T on and they've hit every milestone on every date that they said they would. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. I think the the issue with adding web three is especially you, you know, collectors will or players will look at these roadmaps and think, oh you're gonna do this in that time, so I'm gonna buy in. Well it, you know, developers know that. So the more um more egregious of them will just stick whatever the hell they want on a roadmap. Because they know you're going to eat it up. So I do think the kind of... What I've seen Goblin Town do this week is quite refreshing. Um, But I do think in general, and I hope over time this happens, um, is that we kind of... uh, The general sentiment around roadmaps and their usefulness kind of starts to to ebb away a bit. Yeah, I think there probably are a couple of examples. But I mean, the vast majority uh, haven't hit their markers with their roadmap. I heard Train of the Century was hitting all their markers religiously, but I have I haven't checked that myself. I just there's a few people in the token gamer community that play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is certainly rare. And I always wonder how a lot of these games have high level funding. How they have that funding without hitting the markers. Because I'm pretty sure these companies that are investing aren't just dropping $10 million into an account. You usually have to do stuff and hit your markers and then they pay you every time you complete a step. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not just giving you, given to you in one stringless bulk 
And they're just like, well, yeah, well, there you go. Do your thing. I, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll want to see returns for it and they want to see you uh, reaching goals and, and planning. Um, in fact, this is actually kind of close to what uh, another question we have from Ma again, who's asking some really in-depth questions. Uh, he said, what are your thoughts on the current structure where these developers are receiving funding from retail from just proof of concept docs and art? Is it good to have retail involved, even if rug pulls and liquidation means a loss of trust? Or should we move more towards the standard publishing structure where NFTs and in-game purchases start upon final game release? An example of a completed title might be the sandbox. Uh, God, his questions are heavy going, aren't they? They're like, heavy uh, going. There's, there's, there's a, it's a great question. There's a lot to it, though. Um, do you want to start? Yeah. So on the point about a standard publishing structure whereby, um, you know, the, the Web 2 standard is you only pay for a game once it's released. But even when it comes to indie devs in the Web 2 space, the expectation is they develop the game and then they recoup their money when the game is released and you can buy it. That's been flipped on its head by Web3 because now you have this huge influx of um, indie devs and first-timers who are selling NFTs directly to fund their game. And yeah. whilst there are examples where that is legitimate, I feel that the overwhelming uh, majority of those examples are being a bit facetious you know they're either their rug slips their rug pulls or it's otherwise something that um projects you can't be trusted i think the whole concept really of um asking for money up front based on just concept documents and art is it, it would never have swung in web 2 and it's become something that people for one reason or another accept in web 3 probably because mm. it's hey i can make money from this if i buy in now and they develop what they say they're going to develop then i can make more money um, than i've bought in for so whereas i would like to see a move towards a standard publishing structure for indie devs and first-time devs i can't see that happening for the more competent developers, the AAAs, the experienced guys, they are more likely to go down that route, but a lot of them are paying attention to the space right now and are seeing a lot of pre-release, pre-beta, pre-alpha games raise a lot of money on the back of not very much. And I am fearful that there are particular publishers and developers that will take a look at that and think hmm we can make a lot of money for not much work um you know there's there's already um kind of some some go-to names in in web 2 and, and various publishers that are have uh, attracted a bad reputation for predatory microtransactions or i, I mean diablo immortal released mm -hmm. recently and um I know supposedly this figure is incorrect, but I don't want to spend one hundred and ten thousand dollars to get a max a maxed out character <laughs> in an MMO. Yeah. So, um, it, it, whereas there are some uh, some more egregious examples of uh, kind of publishers and, and AAA devs um, uh, who I think would take a kind of a Diablo Immortal esque approach <laughs> to to Web three. I mean, can, can you imagine if if Blizzard um, wanted to, let's say Diablo 4, for example, they say has blockchain elements, I can bet they would at least consider 
oh, the game will release in six months' time, but if you purchase this pack now, you know, six months, a year before it comes out, then you'll get exclusive titles, exclusive mounts, you'll get, you know, bonuses, like actual pay-to-win-esque bonuses that other players won't get. I can absolutely see... um, you know, Blizzard and, and possibly some other game devs doing that. Um, but that's not to say that um, I think all all game devs or all traditional companies looking into the space are necessarily doing so um, with such uh, kind of bad intentions. You know, we, we've seen banks, we've seen, um, you know, Visa, MasterCard, um, you know, uh, fashion labels, um, music labels, um, all sorts of people take looks at the space and whereas i think on a kind of investment and vc level we are seeing a lot of overexcited people flinging just unbelievable amounts of money at projects without really checking them or knowing what they're looking at um i i do think it's good for them to be in the space i just wish they'd check what they are putting money towards more so than they're currently doing yeah i mean I'm a bit conflicted on this. I, I've already been cynical so far this episode, so maybe I'll, I'll go a different route with this because I, I just I find it hard to believe that these successful VCs are just throwing money with no strings attached at projects that are just documents and art. I mean, I just find that so difficult unless unless there's a team behind it that have a proven track record and there's plenty of projects that have an amazing team behind and maybe only just proof of concept stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that I can understand investment in that, but the the indie developers that have got a little bit of hype and suddenly get 10 million I can't imagine there's not a million different um, prerequisites and caveats to that money. Um, so yeah, maybe I'm going the other way from my usual skepticism. I think it's probably not quite as bad as it sounds, although there are obviously examples of money being pumped into rug pulls and all sorts of things like that. Uh, the money, I'll quote something I wrote yesterday uh, in an article, but it's actually something I've spoken about a few times, uh, just to give you an idea of how fast uh, investment in blockchain gaming is going. So when we started Token Gamer in 2018, there was no information on how much money was being invested in blockchain gaming. Uh, so presumably it was like thousands rather than anything worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2020, blockchain gaming uh, had investment around 80 million um, in blockchain gaming companies and projects. In 2021, that grew to 4 billion. So wow. that spike is just insane mm-hmm. how much you know interest went into that. And then this year, we're on course for 10 billion, um, despite a sort of slowdown and a crash. And between the middle of April and the middle of May this year, there was $3 billion invested in blockchain gaming projects. Wow. And that was just just in a 30-day period at at one point this year. So, I mean, the growth is crazy. I think um, DapRadar's May report said that the gaming category, I'm actually quoting this verbatim, the gaming category is resisting the crypto crash with only a 5% decrease in activity and 197% growth year over year. So we're seeing a ton of money being pumped in. I don't necessarily think that retail money is is bad. Uh, If it's, it just, it all comes down to what sort of projects they're investing in. I don't think 
almost anything should be invested in projects that are just proof of concept documents and art unless the team behind it is all star which there there are examples of that um but generally that's not the case um as for uh standard publishing structure i i kind of disagree with some of this um what you were saying about uh you know i think it's actually from the question itself about you know you don't pay money until the game's out there's always been a problem with pre-ordering and then getting kicked in the nether regions like uh what was it no man's sky is probably the biggest example which is apparently pretty good now um but yeah i mean it, it slid into irrelevancy after it was nowhere near what was promised and people for a while have said stop pre-ordering games which is completely fair but i'd also say that not only is it pre-ordering that we've seen in web 2 but we've also we've definitely seen uh, benefits to pre-ordering as well like you get to uh, test the beta you get into the beta and stuff we're seeing really web 3 is just seeing echoes of of web 2 problems um i don't necessarily think the standard publishing structure is all that different uh, there are again like the the $700 I actually spoke to the company or I'm I'm talking to the company that I'm referring to when I say $700 uh, beta passes and uh, even I sent them an article I'd written on them and and it's like mostly positive but then in bold it was like $700 for beta pass is frankly offensive so I don't know how they feel about that but <laughs> but I will stand but I will die on that hill that is a ridiculous we want gaming to be inclusive not exclusive and that's yeah, a disgusting sure. amount of money um, but really it's just an extension of the space because so much money flying around and everything's an investment so people think that they will spend $700 but then maybe they'll make $1,000 back from playing the game and the token and the NFCs and stuff so it's it's difficult. I don't necessarily think that the traditional publishing structure is that different um, to blockchain gaming uh, at present. And I think that blockchain gaming is just kind of, it's the every everything and investment mindset that we've been going through that has kind of skewed everything. And as that settles down, I think it will just echo um, Web 2. Hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not against uh, retail money, I guess is... Uh, thing and i think investment in proof of concept documents and art from retail and from just your everyday person needs to be on the basis of a proven track record and you need to check for a million red flags before you put any money in something that doesn't have any gameplay or any um anything to play uh which we you know we've discussed so many times um in the past of the uh, on the podcast uh so yeah i think that's that's a summary of my opinion anything to add i think from a um just on that final point there, I I do think we are seeing kind of the the traditional, or not the traditional, but the current blockchain gaming audience start to kind of wisen up a bit more to um, what developers of Web3 games are are doing you know rather than taking what they're saying on face value i mean we've been doing some uh, some kind of some some user research and things on the atomic hub side and you know talking to to various people in the community talking to newcomers talking to veterans etc and it, mm. it, it it appears that um the, the average um collector the average player etc is doing more um research and looking into projects more and being a bit more quizzical about um, you know, promises made and roadmaps and, you know, statements being made in discords and things. So I think that I kind of nascent, um, 
that nascent trust um, to believe every word a, a kind of a Web three developer says is, is is starting to to decrease, and that, I think that's a double edged sword. I think it's it's good in one respect that um, you know NFT collectors and Web three players are you know starting to look into these things a bit more but it, is it going to lead to a larger feeling of sentiment that oh you shouldn't trust web 3 devs that could just be out to get all your money i don't know but i mean we're seeing web 2 games effectively do the same thing i mean i've just talked about diablo immortal so so there we go and, and just yeah. before we kind of move on to the, to the next question and um, you mentioned no man's sky for anybody who was vaguely interested in this, it is the most fascinating story of game development in the last 10, 15 years. I would highly recommend, there's a video on YouTube called The Engoodening of No Man's Sky uh, by the internet historian who kind of documents um, how the game started, pre-release, the incredible amounts of media hype, what it was like on release and how they've kind of salvaged the game from rock bottom to now yeah. it being something that everybody respects and everybody looks at it as like, wow. How do they make this? So, so, yeah, definitely go and look that up if you're vaguely interested in that. I'll definitely look that up. I find these sort of stories really interesting, particularly with uh, ambitious game development, because some of the best games ever made were trying to do something different and uh, risked failing. And I also think it's it's um, commendable that that they actually, like No Man's Sky developers didn't just, you know, tuck tail and run and say, well, you know, we... We bleep this shit the bed. Sorry about that. So um, see you later. And then moving on to the next project, they did actually bring it from in. Although I haven't seen this video yet, but they they have done well to turn it around. And mm-hmm. I think another another game that I've I've been following for some time, and and actually Mark, the person who's asking these questions, plays this game is Star Citizen, which mm. has just been in development for so long. And I th- honestly thought it was a scam. The amount of money you had to pay to get into different things. They were asking for Web3 money for a Web2 game. And then um, I saw what, one of my favorite YouTubers for gaming, Jack Frags, did a video on it. And he was like, hang on, this is amazing, this game. And I think that's going to be another really interesting one. But that, that's kind of uh, beside the point. What uh, question should we move on to? Um, so uh, Mark's asked a third question here, which I think... Oh, is- let's go for the hat trick then. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. I, I think, again, it's um, it's another very interesting one, and it's one that I have, especially from what I've been doing in the past few weeks, quite an interesting uh, an answer to. So the question is, uh, do you think the industry would be better placed to have all games running on a single blockchain rather than dispersed over Solana, Wax, Ethereum, etc., and that the difficulty of moving coins to different wallets for various games will put off less crypto-involved players? Um on the last point, will having different chains make it uh, more difficult to onboard people? Absolutely, 100%. Um, for, for what I've been doing in the past few weeks, um, Nino Kuni Crossworlds released, uh, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Mm. And that is, effectively, uh, it's another gacha MMO. You know, it, it's a game with 17, 18 different currencies, um, and whereas you can get through the game as a, as a free-to-play player. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's a free-to-play game, of course. Um, it, it, they kind of try and incentivize you to spend money to, uh, to let's say, get a get ahead. Um, but they have announced that um, the some of the items in the game, I think it's Territe, and there's a second one, um, are uh, basically crypto coins. Um, you can exchange them for for coins that are on various marketplaces. You can trade them as as you could any other cryptos, and um, they are. Oh, they have announced that they are, are going to be NFTs in the game as well. 
And this made me think about, I was, I've been speaking to a, a Web3 game that's currently in development um, over the past week um, that has already implemented, I think, three or four different chains um, into the game. It's it's pre-alpha, pre-all of that, you know, it's not it's not publicly available yet, but I, I've seen some of the gameplay and it looks, uh, it looks quite exciting, actually. It looks basically like an MMO, just with, uh, like a full 3D MMO, um, but with with crypto in it and an NFTs similar to Nino Kuni but not in a not in an anime style more in a kind of a wow aesthetic but anyway I, that got me thinking the, the kind of the Nino Kuni and I suppose you can include Diablo Immortal that does the same thing where you've basically got about 18 different currencies in the game um that kind of gacha style of game um kind of game structure has a lot of similarities to um you know a game that has four or five different chains attached to it and um, so if, just as a point of uh, of comparison here that uh, web 3 game that i've been speaking to recently you know there's certain assets that will only be nfts on one chain and will and you know this that let's say for the point of example i need to stop saying that let me rephrase <clears throat> so just as an example I, i'm not sure this is exactly percent exactly percent <clears throat> So just as an example, um, I'm not 100% sure this is how it will work, but this is just an example. Let's say um, swords in the game are on Solana and mounts are on Wax and houses are on Polygon and I don't know, all your farming materials are on Avalanche. That's very similar to to a gacha game. And whereas I think from a usability perspective and in definitely in terms of onboarding um it would be better to have you know let's say one chain that rules them all one wallet that rules them all i don't think that's going to happen for a very long time um, i think we are a very long way away and it, maybe it'll never even happen where we have kind of this uniform standard wallet or you know a standard asset standard or a uh, a particular chain that all games are built on. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon because I, I think for a lot of um, a lot of AAA's, a lot of publishers, a lot of developers, they're having to weigh up the options at the moment. You know, there's there's not many developers out there that are looking at the Web three industry and thinking, oh, we're going to create a game with five different chains integrated in it. They think, no, we're going to create a game and it's going to you know be integrated with Solana or Polygon or Wax. Um, because I think a lot of them don't see the um, don't really see the the incentive of being cross-chain uh, in a lot of examples. So, would we be better placed to have single-chain games for bringing new people on? Absolutely. I think the more chains you add to a game, the kind of the more fences you're putting around it, and the less people are gonna kind of get the full the full experience out of it because i mean if i need to open five or six wallets to play a game there's no way to do that quickly at the moment you know if i want to create a you know an eth wallet and an avax wallet and a wax wallet, you know i've got to go to three four five six different websites and it's not like it's going to take me you know two three minutes i think most players would be put off if they had to do that in a web 2 game for about 30 seconds they think oh i'm not going to bother with this um so the fact that it, it takes quite a lot longer and if you were to do it in a safe way in web3 you know having all of your we different passwords and codes offline and storing them in locations that process is going to take hours i don't think players are going to go to that to that extent just to play a game so 
it's a tricky one. It would it it would be easier for for new players, as I said, to have it one chain, one wallet that rules them all. But it's just not realistic anytime soon. I, I can't see it happening within the next five years. No, I mean you've co- covered a lot of ground there. There's only a few bits I think I I want to add. Uh, it's idealistic to have a central chain, and I, I don't think I don't think it'll happen. I don't think Mark thinks it will happen either. Uh, I guess. Um, what I would say is <clears throat> the like blockchain interoperability has been a, a, the buzzword for the last sort of well, it was the buzzword towards the end of last year and at the start of this year, and that is something I would like to see continue. And I think building bridges between chains has proven pretty successful although i am nervous of what um vitalik buterin was saying about bridges are a real security flaw uh he, he tends to know his stuff so yeah that it could it could end up being an issue but i think generally we can overcome not having uh one central chain as long as you can do the same things on each chain, whatever chain you're on. I, I mean, the idea of having multiple currencies on multiple chains, I think is a horrible idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is a terrible idea. And I, I don't think there's almost any redeeming qualities to, to doing that. Um, not that I can think of anyway. The NFTs being multi-chain is probably impossible. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about the development side, but I don't imagine you could have... Um, NFTs that could jump around uh, chains particularly easily. Uh, so w- you're best off just picking a chain mm-hmm. and then uh, opening bridges between the two is probably the best bet. But I don't know. I don't think we we really have a choice in any of this at the moment. I think we just have to go with what we have. Yeah, I think there's no real incentive for a AAA dev to be multi-chain because it, from their point of view, it's not that crypto fans will play their game, it's that they're bringing their fan base to a blockchain. So, whereas they could, in theory, I suppose, get a wider player base by being on six different chains, the overwhelming amount of people that are going to be playing their game are going to be fans of that franchise or of you know that development studio, not fans of you know, X blockchain that will come across the game. So I, I, I can understand it from a from a dev perspective why they would want to go um, kind of mono-chain, let's call it. I, I don't, I really don't think there's an incentive to be a multi-chain. No. Um, I don't think they're going to gain that many players. If you create a game that's good enough, the, the blockchain gamers are going to be pretty agnostic when it comes to chains if the game's good enough. Yes, you're still going to have the disciples that are like, I don't want to see anything other than um, Ethereum-based layer twos or, you know, whatever. But I think generally, if you create a good blockchain game, it just pick a pick a chain that's that's can handle the uh, the traffic and the transaction load um, without gas fees and without melting polar bears and just go with that, like, I don't think there's really I don't think the benefits are worth being multi-chain so uh, yeah I think I think we've covered covered that Um, do we have any more questions this this podcast is already going on quite a while oh no it's not too bad actually we're all right (laughs) I think we could probably do one more Um, so the uh, final question we'll get to uh, today um, it's from uh, Vis, who is uh, was a regular in my live streams. I believe he watches the uh, Token Gamer live streams as well. He does. Um, and his question, uh, it's kind of more of a, of a paragraph, but I'll, I'll go through it. 
He says, um, I'm a gamer. I love NFTs. I believe this is the way forward for gaming. Um, the past couple of weeks, I've been checking out Solana, especially the Fractal website. Uh, and this is how I imagined a gaming slash NFT site should be. Uh, I'm a big fan of Wax. Um, when do you think, uh, he names Atomic up here, uh, is going to uh, branch out to create a, a gaming platform showcasing legitimate games? Um, just like uh, AH's verified mark, can we get a hub for real gaming experiences in the Wax community? Um, I believe Wax is a little bit behind on real gaming experiences and uh, other chains are going in a good direction. For example, look at uh, Gala Games and their work with uh, the uh, Epic Games and the Epic Store. So, uh, let, can I just jump in before, because uh, this is squarely aimed at you, <laughs> because you, <laughs> you you work for Atomic Hub. But the only thing I can contribute here is, firstly, Wax does need what you're suggesting. Um, but also, I wanted to say that I've been working quite a lot on and with Fractal over the last few weeks. We're doing a giveaway at the moment for uh, EV.io, which is an FPS on Fractal. And I've been using the Fractal platform quite a lot. And I agree, it is it is really, really good. I think it's, a, it's one of my favorite projects in blockchain gaming at the moment. It's essentially, for for those who haven't tried it, it's um, so it's on Solana. It's created by Justin Can, who made Justin.tv, which became Twitch oh. TV. Um, and it it's kind of, it's like Twitch plus Steam plus some Web3 stuff. So you've got a whole bunch of Solana-based Web three games that you can play and it tells you one's launching soon who are doing drops and um, which ones you can play right now and then you can click it and often play it within the uh, within the platform it then has a marketplace for the NFTs uh, both art and the ones for the games you're playing it then has live streams it has like communities and it's a really fully fleshed out platform and I think Justin Can I think is probably a bit of a genius when it comes to you, like unifying gamers in into one place and twitch was uh, really a monumental moment for for gaming as, as an industry and it has become kind of the trendsetter where like i said earlier you know with among us it only takes one of the leading streamers to stream a game and that game gets annihilated with like players from all angles so i i do have a lot of faith in him but i I really don't need to because Fractal is so good that it, it kind of stands alone. Um, so I just wanted to add that in because I was kind of surprised how few people knew what Fractal was when I was discussing it in previous articles and, and in the token gamer community. It didn't seem like many people were aware of what it is, which is kind of a shame. But uh, yeah, it's it's just an excellent gaming platform that kind of works like Steam, Twitch combined, plus it has a marketplace uh, right, over to you, because it was an Atomic Hub-based question. Yeah, I mean, Justin Can being responsible for Twitch um, is kind of all you really need to know to, to go and check out what he's doing. Literally before this podcast, um, I was watching a Twitch stream, so... Yeah, I still, I've watched Twitch streams for years now, and I, I don't see it going anywhere. Oh, no, absolutely not. Twitch is a, just a goliath in the in the live streaming space, but, uh, but anyway... Um, so when it comes to what um, Atomic Hub is going to develop in future and whether we'll branch out to do a, a gaming platform, um, I, I can't say yes or no on kind of specific features and, and kind of that type of area. But what I will say is, you know, we've always got our finger on the pulse of what's happening, um, both on the Wax blockchain um, and across the kind of the NFT and blockchain ecosystem as a whole. 
and um, if we see something that we think um, would be a, a good addition to the space and provide value to uh, you know people within the wax blockchain um, then of course we would consider that um, I mean as a lot of you will know we've we've been growing exponentially this year and uh, that's not slowing down um, you know we've got NFT NYC happening next week we're planning a lot more in-person events we have a whole bunch of features and things that are that are currently in the work but um but yeah I don't want to sidestep the question but um but yes if we feel that there's a need for more of a kind of a, a gaming hub then that is something we may take a look at what I will say on the games front is, I mean, as I've said earlier in the podcast, we are starting to see more um, experienced, competent devs start to develop within the blockchain space. And I am aware of a, a good handful of really good quality games that are coming to uh, to a variety of blockchain <coughs> that are coming to a variety of blockchain why can't i say blockchains all of a sudden <clears throat> that are coming to a variety of blockchains soon uh, wax included uh, and so i'm i i'm very excited for the rest of this year for next year for the year after i think we're only going to see an increase in kind of the uh, the experience and the quality of dev talent um in the number of studios that are looking to build blockchain games uh, and the the big names and uh, big AAA studios and publishers that uh, that are going to look at uh, getting into the blockchain gaming space. So, um, to speak personally, I do think there's probably going to be a need for um, something like that in future. I will say platforms such as Steam, which is I mean Steam is the zenith for distributing Web two games on PC. Their previous stance was. We don't want anything to do with games that have crypto or NFTs on them. They have rather silently been backpedaling on that for at least the past few weeks and months. If you know kind of where to look, then there are games on Steam that have crypto slash NFT integration. I mean, um, Costume Clash, which is uh, Josh's game, Strat Studios on the Wax blockchain, that is on Steam. That has crypto and NFT integration. And you can go to Steam right now and type in Costume Clash and you'll be able to find it. Um, I think it's got a link in this Discord as well. So um, it looks like Steam are opening up their doors to uh, to more Web3 games in that respect. So, uh, And of course, Epic Games, who've just announced a partnership with, uh, with Gala um, for this Grit game. Um, I would imagine that that means they're also very open to, uh, to Web3 and blockchain gaming as well. So... In that respect, and it'll be interesting to see um, what happens here, whether these um, kind of goliaths of uh, centralised Web2 um, kind of game exploration in terms of Steam and, uh, and Epic will become also become the, the go-tos in the Web3 space, or whether there will be some sort of new platform or you know new website that comes along and, and becomes what Steam is, but for Web3. Um, so there was one more thing I wanted to say, but it's escaped me. Ah, that was it. I think one of the positives um, of having uh, a kind of a central platform that's a kind of a go-to for blockchain games is it does help to kind of alleviate some of the concerns we had with, uh, with you know, you've got 
twenty percent of games on Polygon, twenty percent on Solana, and you know ten percent on Avax and ten percent on Wax. If you had, let's say, a Steam for Web three, then I think that would um, smooth the onboarding process, um, especially for people new to blockchain gaming. I mean, Steam did was just if you want PC games, then you go to Steam. You know, you don't really go anywhere else. Uh, and if we can have a, a kind of a Web3 service similar to that, then uh, it's definitely going to help with bringing new people in. Yeah, I agree. What I would love to see is um, Fractal just go multi-chain. Um, particularly, I mean, we've seen this, there's projects uh, I, I've seen rumoured at least that are working on things. I mean, this kind of already exists, but wallets that can hold um, NFTs from different chains, which isn't that unthinkable at all mm-hmm. i mean you can you can hold different currencies in, in wallets so i see no um what well, cryptocurrencies that is so i see no reason why you couldn't do it with nfts um I, i'd love to see fractal just go multi-chain and just because uh, the their onboarding is very good as well which is mm. something we discuss a lot it's a it's certainly a barrier with blockchain gaming so i think if fractal went multi-chain um, and then perhaps you could filter the homepage by chain so, so you could see different games. I think that would be a great solution if they could onboard you in uh, as easy a way as they do right now um, and just create the wallet for you that you can have multiple NFTs from multiple different blockchains. I think that would be an amazing solution and it would overcome the problem of distribution, which is, you know, always difficult with with gaming and mm. i mean so i test blockchain games every week and i'm always looking at blockchain games i often have to download zip files that yeah. i i mean come on what what year is it but then what are they meant to do how are they meant to get the the exe to me without you know without a publisher or without somewhere to to have the game hosted so it would go a ways to legitimizing projects if it were to be featured on fractal so I, I think we do need one. I think Wax needs one. And I think most chains other than Solana who have Fractal um, need one. Uh, I also think there is kind of a race for it already, though, to, mm. to make this platform. We've seen the Steam for blockchain gaming is something I have seen said a hundred times <laughs> a month. Yeah. Uh, I know Ultra is trying to do that. And then Immutable has been talking about doing that. And there's, uh, I mean, there's like nine others that I could think of if I sat here for a minute. But uh, the point is, we we do need one, and they are coming. And uh, I, yeah, but but in answer to the question, yeah, Wax definitely does need one, and um, Atomic Hub will be will be a good place for it. So perhaps perhaps John needs to pitch it to the <laughs> the seniors. No, perhaps perhaps we'll consider it. But I mean, as I say, we're always looking at the space, and we'll see. Uh, We'll see what's needed. Um, what I would absolutely love, and maybe somebody is already doing this in the space, it's kind of similar to what you've mentioned there, is kind of one one centralised website where you you know you put in your, your sign-in details, you, you maybe do KYC on one site, and that would kind of, that central authority then creates um, kind of a, uh, a custodial wallet for like as many chains as it can do. And then that becomes like your, your master your master kind of service for logging into various um, games and chains and smooths the process over. I, I well, imagine it's a bit some, scary doing that though, isn't it? Because it's a single it point is, of failure. Yeah, there's the whole kind of discussion about um, 
do you think as, as a kind of a general public thing whether custodial or non-custodial is the way forward as well um i, I do think kind of onboarding into web3 needs to become less technical it needs to become kind of a lot easier for the average person to do like yeah. yes there are the, the kind of security um concerns you know with keeping your own private keys etc that is very important but it's not exactly uh, a, a very friendly way to get new people into space but I, i'm sure there's people working on that as we speak so uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front um in the near future but uh yeah yeah shall we shuffle towards the exit i mean i think we've covered a lot a lot of territory today I uh, I think we should. Yeah, I think that was uh, that was helpful. It's always uh, fantastic to answer um, questions from uh, from you guys, the listeners, and uh, I think the questions we had today are, are fantastic. Um, definitely, if you have any questions that you would uh, like me and Rob to discuss, uh, reach out to us uh, wherever you can find us. I am uh, at Hydropowered everywhere. You can go into the NFT Insider Discord, the Token Gamer Discord. Uh, and yeah, just uh, let us know if you've got any questions. We'd love to do more of these listener questions episodes. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, outro time. Outro time. Um, I, d- I, d- I did say Vs's question would be the last one. Um, we had a, a, an interesting question from Stuck at 6pm that I thought would be quite relevant for the uh, for the outro. So so let's okay. go with that. I mean, the wheels are coming off before we answer <laughs> this, but you're welcome. You're welcome to ask. So, uh, so Stuck's question was, uh, what's been our favourite... Um, episode or moment or discussion topic of the podcast so far and why Oof. Um, that's a very good question difficult uh there's, there's a few things so uh i don't think you listen to it but i listen to the it's always sunny in philadelphia podcast because mm. I, I love the show and um charlie day one of the main characters and the writers for uh it's always sunny talks about deleting files he says that once he learns information, he often just deletes it straight away, like from his mind, not his computer. Mm-hmm. Like he just delete. he calls it deleting files. Like he'll get information, he deletes it. I'm, I do that with everything. There was, uh, was it, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think you said to me something we'd mentioned on the week before. And he was like, you, you said, oh no, you said that. And I was like, uh, uh, no, no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you if I said that or didn't say that. So it's hard for me to point at, at specific moments, but I think there's, for me, there's a few. There was, I remember saying something about my nan, which got really weird. Um, <laughs> do you remember? I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, it, that, I remember thinking, wow, that was, that, that got very strange very quickly. Um, favorite episode of um, having Michael Rubinelli on was, was, uh, good fun yeah. and very interesting and we're, and we're looking at getting lots more guests on in the future because uh, people are probably uh, bored of us um, another moment obviously this is pointless I don't know what I'm saying literally 0% of our viewers care about my next the next thing I'm going to say but Michael Rabinelli saying that quote that was really obscure from philosophy um, <laughs> that I studied in my masters just amazing I've never heard another human being say it so I was very excited about that uh, and discussion topic for me is always the future of gaming and how blockchain is going to play a role which is why the episode I did with Dave where we just I mean we could have gone on for hours we were so excited about that topic uh, so that that generally that's the sort of discussion I like to have, um, and obviously NFTs plays in, into that perfectly because they're playing an integral role. Uh, I think that's everything I can remember. What about you? Yeah, I think the the interview we did with Michael Rubinelli was was fantastic, and, and as you said, we're we're definitely looking to get more guests on. I think it was a it was a very 
it's a very in-depth conversation. We we managed to kind of garner um, quite a lot of information about blockchain borders and what will be coming up in the future mm-hmm. that um, kind of hadn't necessarily been uh, been gleaned up to that point. So I think that was uh, that was really cool. I can't remember, and I suppose I should do kind of one one on-topic moment and then probably one one off-topic one. In terms of the off-topic one, I can't necessarily remember if this was on the pod or whether there was this was just us talking after we'd recorded one of them. But I think it was your story about drinking a coffee on a plane. I've never told that story. I didn't ever tell it, did I? We said we'd do it the next week and I think <laughs> we both forgot. No. Do I do I do that now? I mean, it's not that interesting. And maybe we can like use it as a teaser for next week. I will tune in next week. You can hear Rob's coffee stuff. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, it's very interesting. You're not going to want to miss it. Although we're definitely going to forget next week. But yeah, go on. What was your What's your on topic one? So I think the um, the on topic one. I think we'd have to. Uh, I love talking about the future as well. I think whenever we talk about kind of MMOs and what we like to say. I mean, we're both massive MMO fans, so yeah. um, to think about what the future of MMO gaming would be. I remember one specific time we were talking about kind of high-risk PvP in yeah. um, in future Full Web loop. 3 MMOs. That would just be incredible. Um, yeah. But also one, another moment I quite liked at a particular episode was uh, way back, I think it was in December, we did uh, an episode titled What is the Metaverse? <laughs> And I think that was episode yeah. four of the podcast back when it was called Wax Lyrical. Um, and th- that episode in particular, I think it was it was very interesting because it's nobody has the answer. And it was no. kind of 75 minutes of us trying to find one and ultimately being like, we haven't really gotten anywhere, but we think we've had a fun discussion. Um, and We've I, had a few episodes like that. <laughs> I, I would imagine if we went back to listen to that now, kind of six months on, there's certain things in that that we would now say, oh, is that is that what the metaverse is now? Like as we're speaking, like ha- I don't, I don't think it, I. So I know what you're saying. I don't think it's changed since we recorded that episode. But we did make a predictions episode at the end of last year, which I'm we really did. looking forward to. Li- so I, at the end of this year, I definitely want to listen to that with you and write down, you know, our thoughts and notes on that, and then make predictions for the next year because. I mean, so much has, as we knew it would. So much has changed, and I bet we're, I bet we're wrong about so much stuff. Oh, most likely. But, uh, but hey, it'll be it'll be interesting to both kind of recap what's happened this year and look forward to uh, to twenty twenty three. But that is that is six months away. We are we are halfway through twenty twenty two, and we've got many episodes of the Main One podcast to come. Both. Myself Ooh. and Rob talking about our kind of our most fun topics in the space and hopefully bringing some very exciting and fun guests on for you to enjoy as well. So, Rob, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Token Gamer News. Uh, then you can find us on Discord, where our Token Gamer Discord is linked just about everywhere. Uh, it shouldn't be difficult to find. Then, tokengamer.io is the website. We also have a Wax based app which is on the Apple and Android stores, which allows you to track your NFTs, your accounts, um, blockchain gaming news, drops. And we've added notifications, which went live today on both Apple and Android. So you can can have push notifications for your account. So if you sell something on Atomic Hub, 
you'll get a push notification to tell you you sold it and how much you sold it for. Awesome. And you can filter these so you don't get spammed because we, <laughs> we, we kind of tested the water with notifications. And the problem is like every time I clicked brawl on blockchain brawlers, I got four notifications immediately. <laughs> so uh, we had to finesse it a little bit, but the, the finished product for notifications is out now. Um, we are streaming now as well. We've got Super Dope, uh, Jonah, who is a great streamer and he's streaming blockchain games uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, where we, you know, do nice blockchain gaming stuff and giveaway NFTs and, and that sort of stuff. And then we've got the YouTube channel, which uh, is at the moment, it's just highlights from the stream. So if you want to go back and have a look at what games we play, we've played Nino Cooney, played The Forge Arena, played EV.io. Um, played a whole bunch of games so uh, you can watch the sort of the highlights the best bits from those streams but we also have some more content that's going on YouTube that I'm working on at the moment uh, I, th- I think I'm just going to explain what it's going to be do you remember Total Biscuit? yes I do so I'm a massive fan of Total Biscuit uh, unfortunately he died which is a genuine tragedy he was yes. such a great great guy great YouTuber so important to the gaming industry uh, he had a series called WTF Is, where <laughs> yes. he would get a game and then just explain, he'd play it and explain what it is and what he likes and what he doesn't. And complain about FOV sliders and uh, yes. you know, poor yes. textures. And- <laughs> exactly. But like the the old cynical Brit, like it, just everything about it, I, I loved it. And I, I was so sad that I wouldn't get any more. I mean, obviously it's trivial compared to you know, him passing, but I, I'm just sad that I don't get any more of that because every time I saw a game, I'd go straight to his content and, and I'd be like, what does he think about it? I want to know his thoughts. Um, so I want to do that for blockchain gaming, essentially. I want to do a sort of shorter form version where I explain what the game is, what I like about it, what I don't like about it. So that's coming to the YouTube channel. Um, I think that's everything. We have a Wax tool, which is releasing any day now, but uh, I'll probably announce that next week uh wow i mean mine are getting longer now it used to be like you had you had like a two minute one and i was like yeah token gamer news on twitter see you later um but yeah i think that's me done so over to you uh you will have done tiktok won't you you've already done tiktok don't that's want a shame. TikTok. i used to get excited about that though i need i need something else what if you've got a facebook page you've never done anything recently, well, we right? do have a facebook page actually but i don't think we've posted anything to it so <laughs> but I don't. I don't care about Facebook. I don't think anybody does. Do I hate Facebook. It, it's not very. So. It's not very Web three. I think to have a to have a Facebook. But no, despite them branding Meta everywhere, it's uh, uh, it's the yeah antithesis of Web three or what I want it to be. I'm still frustrated, and, and maybe this is just me being being British and being annoyed by these things that they renamed the Oculus Quest the Meta Quest. It's just <sighs> so unnecessary. I, I hate. I hate that name. Um, but anyway, um, on to, <laughs> to my socials. So it's um, nftinsider.io for the latest NFT news. Um, th- there's a whole bunch of things going on, especially because I will be at NFT NYC next week, both mm. as a member of the Atomic Club team, but also I have uh, a media pass. So I've. Oh man, I'm going to a whole bunch of previews, talking to a whole bunch of people. Um, there's going to be a lot of content come out of that, both written, video, maybe audio. We'll see. Um, but it's going to be a very interesting week. There's going to be a lot of exclusives that I'm able to get out of that. So um, yeah, look out on uh, on the NFT Insider website over the the, end of the next couple of weeks and months for all of the content and the kind of the download from NFT NYC. Um, in terms of socials, it's at NFT Insider underscore IO on Twitter and Instagram. 
yeah, they're growing. We're doing giveaways. Um, I think currently we are doing a giveaway for uh, Blockchain Brawlers. We've got some artifact packs being given away. Um, I think the giveaway will still be live by the time this podcast... Uh, and I, th- <laughs> I think this podcast will still be live by the time... Uh, this podcast will be live? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah this is this is falling off the wagon, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think this giveaway... <clears throat> <laughs> This is becoming a white uh, wave. Yeah, this is this isn't going great, is it? Um, I think the giveaway will still be up by the time this podcast goes live. So, uh, so yeah, head to our Twitter and you can be in with the chance of winning one of three artifact packs. And um, we've got another giveaway that's scheduled over the weekend, but uh, we'll wait until the BCB one is over to reveal what that one will be. Um, for me personally, I am at hydropowered h y d r o p w r d, and um, quite literally everywhere at this point. Um, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I have the Hydro Wax Wallet, um, Clubhouse, TikTok, um, Twitch as well. I have not streamed in some time. It is something I would like to go back to. I have some ideas for content I would like to do when I get back to streaming. Um, I am going to be brutally honest here. Um, I've been so kind of inundated with with Atomic Cub stuff, with Pink GG stuff, whether it's um, NFT NYC, B2B, you know, bringing um, game studios to the WAX ecosystem, talking about, you know, future, you know, where we're heading in the future and kind of what, what we're developing, upcoming features and things that kind of my live streams haven't been as uh, as frequent as I would like, um, but you can definitely uh, see me returning to live streams and video content in the near future. Um there's some interesting ideas for a uh, for both short form and long form video that I would like to kind of uh, like to explore over the next few months. And of course, NFT NYC is going to be a, a hive for for content of that ilk. So you can look out for that as well. I think that's everything from me. Yeah, so, that's a lot. That's a lot from both of us. I think our like roll yes. calls are becoming about. It shows we're, we're growing, though, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Oh, the Ethereum Wax P-Bridge just went live. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's been some decent Wax news, actually, lately. The the whole Lazy thing I was pretty pleased about. Lazy was a really cool announcement. That was, um, yeah, I think and now we are the uh, the fifth chain. And I, I wrote an article about this saying that, you know, we are now standing shoulder to shoulder with Ethereum, Polygon, Solana and Flow. Yeah, and it's good. I I wondered, I wondered if um, do you think William Quigley knows Mark Cuban? I mean, like they're both extremely successful VCs. I feel like they they might just know each other, and he and he's rung him up and said, "Yo, <laughs> have a look at Wax." Possibly, it could be the case. Um, I, I think for you conspiracy theorists out there, I ended my article on the lazy deal by saying, if you look at the um, the blockchains that Instagram has just announced support for, it is. Ethereum, Polygon, Solana, and Flow. The exact Ooh. four that Lazy have announced support for. So I, I don't I don't want to say, hey, wax NFTs on Instagram. But, I, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? There's been there's been people to, like demanding effectively that <laughs> we get verified wax NFTs as Twitter profile pictures for a while. But who knows whether that will uh, come to fruition in the uh, near future mm. or not? Um 
But yeah, that was uh, episode 27 of the Main One podcast. And as we said, if you've got any questions that you'd like myself or Rob to tackle in a future Listener Questions episode, then uh, please do let us know in our respective discords or anywhere else that you can find us. Um, that is everything uh, for this week. Yes. And we hope you tune in again next time. We do. There you go. That was my, my contribution to this dismount. <laughs> See you guys next week.